Tubals in a China Shop is brought to you by these great companies that are giving us money to let you listen to their stuff. Bullshit, Kyle. We make this show. We make this show. You and me. Tubals in a China Shop is brought to you by us. <laughs> Someone's got to pay the bills, Dan, because it's not our trading. <laughs> <laughs> All right, roll them. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You are listening to an entertainment program put together by a company called Financial Ineptitude. Anything said on this show is not an endorsement or professional advice. Would you really want to tell a court of law you were suing us because you thought taking financial advice from two idiots on a podcast put out by Financial Ineptitude was a good idea? Really? Clown hats on your face. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The China Shop. I am your host, Kyle, and joining me for today's, I guess, midweek update we've landed on. Is that what we're calling these now? <laughs> is Eric from ES Invests. How are you doing today, Eric? Swell. <laughs> oh, now we're going with the uh, the low-key intros, too? Monotone. It's the monotone. <laughs> you know, I missed the fucking perfect opportunity to give you one of those when we did that uh, that, that uh, live stream on your oh, YouTube channel. dude, that would have been... That yeah. would have been really good see that's the problem though is you're so scripted is you gotta we gotta get you used to you're going off key a little bit ad-libbing well see i have a general outline i like to fill in and ad-lib around it i like to have a loose structure that's what she said that's exactly what she said <laughs> uh but before we start talking about what she said let's uh let's take a quick moment to say thank you to our sponsors and friends over at manscaped trade pro academy and Orderflow labs see that was ad-lib uh, Manscaped is the best in men's below the waist grooming with precision engineered tools for your family jewels. And with Manscaped now releasing beard care products, it's the perfect time to take advantage of our exclusive offer of 20% off and free worldwide shipping using promo code tubals at manscaped.com. As always, that is the number two. When it comes to institutional quality trading education, look no further than tradeproacademy.com. In our free Discord server, you'll find instructions to take advantage of our discount with them as well. For all those degenerates who enjoy trading futures, you'll definitely want to check out the custom tools and studies over at orderflowlabs.com. Make sure y'all give Eric a follow on Twitter at ESinvests and subscribe to his YouTube at the same name. And before we finish up here, just want to tell everyone to reach out with your suggestions, corrections, or questions for future guests. Do that via email at twobulls at financialineptitude.com or join that many times mentioned free Discord server where a bunch of amazing people gather to share our struggles and lessons learned with other like-minded market aficionados. Be sure to put all those links in the episode description. Okay, what are we talking about today, Eric? What did she say? I don't really know what she said, to be honest with you. I think my wife actually was telling me before, though, that the house smells like E85 because I had the car running in there before. So I think that is what she said lately is that her eyes were burning, which is fine. Oh, a, little bit of, a little bit of alcohol in the eyes is fine. Oh, remind me to ask you about uh, uh, smell. Uh, what it could mean. I thought it was my brakes, but now I'm wondering if it's not the clutch or something. Uh-oh, Raggy. Yeah, I know. Luckily, I got a house closing on Friday. <laughs> I am. Now I'm eagerly interested to know what's up with this car. <laughs> uh, when it runs for like five or ten minutes or more, it kind of has this weird smell coming from the engine bay. It doesn't smell like burning oil or like metallic. Or it's, it's, it's weird. It, 
I can't see anywhere where it's coming from. I can't see anything it's burning it's or smoking. Up. It's after it's heated up, yeah. Yeah, interesting. My my I would check the um the exhaust manifold and see if anything's dripping onto it because that's what it sounds like, at least from an initial uh, perspective. Okay. Because if it was your clutch, you would you would start to smell around when you would use it, not just when it warms up. So Well, that's the I mean maybe I should just hit the car open, let it run in the the um, yeah, there you go. Garage for a few minutes and see if, because I mean, we live really close to the Walmart, so you go to the Walmart and back, and you can definitely smell it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So after it's warmed up. All right. Well, yeah, that's, that's where I would start. Now that we've wasted five minutes with car talk. Perfect. I love car talk, man. <laughs> I, I know you do. Yeah, I recently, I, I my last interview with uh, Ewan, we literally spent like half of it bullshitting about cars. So cars are like part of the reason why I trade is to support my car habit. So. Sound like Jay Leno. Yeah, exactly. Well, oh, God, don't even get me started. He's like my idol. Is he's he? the best. Oh, man, his garage is he's like. He's got such cool cars. <laughs> and he's got fantastic taste. He does have a hell of a big fucking chin. But other than the chin, his taste in cars is just. It's phenomenal. It's magnificent. I think Schwarzenegger had a patent tank. Oh, that was pretty badass, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I kind of like Arnold till he said, fuck your freedoms, and now I don't like him. Yeah, well, he's from, what, Austria? Yeah, he pissed me off. I think they have a history of that. Something like that, huh? <laughs> must, All right. must be genetic. <laughs> <laughs> All right, should we get the Fed shit out of the way? Because that's the thing I'm least keen on to talk about. Why? Uh, just because it's all the same stuff every time. Yeah, it is kind of a broken record. I think the main thing, I dropped the link to the minutes. Again, for people that are following along and haven't been in the markets for too long, I definitely encourage you to poke through the minutes because I think it's important for people to understand how the Fed handles discussions, especially around the current markets. I really try to reiterate as much as I can how much of an incredible learning opportunity this is. Because the markets don't do what we're doing right now. The economy doesn't do what's happening right now super frequently. So the learning opportunity here is massive. That part aside, I think the main highlight from the meeting was a bit more of a hawkish stance, which Mm -hmm. I think most institutional professional side kind of expected that. But I think retail traders are still really clinging on to the hope that we're essentially done increasing rates or that we might even be, you know, decreasing rates going forward. And I just think it's important for retail traders to know that that is very much probably not the case. And it really just comes down to some stronger economic data than, you know, the Fed would like to see. And it sounds kind of backwards. You Mm -hmm. want strong economic data typically, but with inflation where it is, it just essentially accelerates inflation to a certain degree, which they're really trying to make sure that they're tamping down. So I think for retail traders, it's just important to know that that's still jostling around. And, you know, this series of pretty big relief rallies at the beginning of the year, very much, in my opinion, predicated on the propensity for rates to chill out. I just think it's important for people to know that that is not really panning out super great. And I mean, you and I have talked multiple times so far about, um, you know, just how we felt 
about the rally so far this year and mm-hmm. the context of it. And I still think that for the you know beginning of the year, there could be some continued market support, but it's just not looking super strong to me right now. And my forecast has continued to be the same, which is as random and as much guesswork as anybody else's. But I've seen you know parts of this story before, and I've definitely studied this story before ad nauseum. And I just... What we're seeing continues to reiterate my overall hypothesis that we're going to be in for a bumpy ride, at least the second half of the year. Yeah, I think it was Vico who said, uh, like, why would you trust anything? Or why would you trust any rally until the Fed pivots? It makes zero sense. Yeah, and well, it, sort of. I think the thing is, the market can pivot before the Fed does. And mm-hmm. I'll, like that's not super uncommon, mostly because the market is moving way ahead of the the fed you know six to nine months out whereas the fed is using lagging indicators to guide their decisions which mm-hmm. that's not a knock on them that's just how the data moves but i think you know to to their point i don't think the rest of the evidence that i'm seeing would make me trust the rallies whereas you know the, there's nothing that says that the market can't rally. There's nothing that even says I'm like 50, 50 that the market might even have a positive year. I'm not sure yet. I'm still kind of weighing the evidence, but the market could still even have a positive year. But I think the main thing, um, you know, to, to your point is with things structured the way they are now, I am super tenuous about it, but I do think it's important to note that the market can certainly pivot before the Fed does. Right. I think his point was more to, I mean, we hear Fed speakers every day now, almost it seems like, and the message has been very clear and very hawkish and very, uh, what is it? Like you almost call it a war path on inflation, right? Yeah. Like as long as that message is consistent like that, uh, like I, I have a hard time trusting any rally until that starts to soften. Yeah, and I guess it depends on what you what trust a rally means. Mm-hmm. For me, whether or not I trust it is just how I structure the trade. I'm still going to trade the rally, and yeah, I think right, yeah, and I think as traders, that's really the the name of the game. Is despite whatever our lingering reservations are, to figure out how to trade these moves. Like I was telling you earlier, there's still a lot of really tradable opportunities today with the you know the FOMC meeting minutes coming out was a really really great trading opportunity so yeah i, I guess i mean i guess to that point i, I essentially never trust the market anyways <laughs> right right all right what else uh, happened in the news this week anything else catch your eye um not really i think you've have one of the things on the docket actually that I wanted to talk about, which is NVIDIA. But I think the other thing while we're kind of um, just talking about the rest of the week, jobless claims coming out tomorrow and Mm. then same thing for GDP. Mm -hmm. So we have the uh, Q second estimate for quarter over quarter GDP, which I think is important. And there's a handful of Fed speakers and then there's also core PCE coming out tomorrow, GDP deflator. So there's just a handful of different economic um, outputs. I think all of that's in the, I actually think I literally captured all of that in that little calendar that I put out. I can send you the link to that tweet. Yeah, I've got uh, 8.30 jobless claims, uh, 8.30 GDP, 10.50 AM. Uh, this is all Eastern time. Uh, Bostic is speaking, and then 2 PM, we got daily. Yeah. And they so, tend to add those Fed speakers. So you got to really check that every day because they'll pop up on their last minute. 
Yeah, and I mean, I think people over overweight the like. Really, I don't even bother putting unless it's you know a a big conference or a big press conference that I kind of know is going to be big. I, I just it's okay. It's another you know talking head. It's whatever. Right. Because yeah, it's them speaking individually doesn't really matter that that much. I think um, obviously listening to Powell is typically a, a good idea. Not even from a prediction standpoint, but just because it's a, again, it's a tradable event. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. So we got a lot of good stuff coming up. Uh, yeah. Uh, we got a whole slew of them on Friday too. That's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I do want to jump in and talk about NVIDIA because there was not only was the move interesting, um, looks like they had some pretty good numbers. I think I shared the the link with the earnings report for you and I gave you the actual earnings report. Uh, let's take a look here. So quarterly revenue, 6.05 billion, which was down 21% from a year ago, but was up quarter to quarter, I believe. Fiscal year revenue of 27 billion, which was flat from a year ago. And uh, let's see, diluted earnings per share, 57 cents, down 52% from a year ago, but up 111% from previous quarter. So from a year to year standpoint, not all that great, but quarter to quarter, definitely showing some signs of improvement. Uh, the gaming sector was really interesting to see how much that had declined from basically like the COVID reopening, like the the revenue that they brought in from their gaming segment, like really took a hit in 22 mm-hmm. and is finally showing signs of recovery. It looks like now. Yeah. I'm seeing lower gaming margins and then mm-hmm. actually higher contribution from automotive, which is interesting. And then I guess their data centers are doing well. Yeah. But buried in this report was a really interesting uh, uh, partnership that they just announced, which was with Microsoft. This is the second deal that I've seen Microsoft put together with the 10-year partnership to bring their Xbox games to another platform. The other one was Mm. Nintendo, and I think that happened last week or in the last few days. Yeah, I think there's a pretty good... I don't have an earnings play in it, um, Mm -hmm. mostly because I kind of... I made what I was looking for earlier today slash for this week. So I'm not trying to expose myself unnecessarily, but I do think there will be a good opportunity for a continuation play tomorrow, which is probably what I'm going to keep an eye on. Longtime fans of the show should be familiar with the lender formerly known as Sue Pullen. And I'm pleased to announce that she's back fresh off a rebrand and ready to help as Sue Mackey. Sue is a certified mortgage advisor at Fairway Independent Mortgage, an equal housing lender who focuses on finding the right product for you and your needs. She has over 20 years of experience helping thousands of homeowners. Whether it's purchasing, refinancing, or even a reverse mortgage, Sue will help. Sue's licensed in 36 states now, so reach out and let Sue Mackey it happen for you. The best way to reach her is just give her a call at 520-977-7904 or in an email spullen at fairwaymc.com. Fairway Independent Mortgage has an MLS number of 2289. Sue Mackey has an MLS number of 206048. That email again, spullen at fairwaymc.com. And that phone number is 520-977-7904. Shoot Sue an email and let her know she needs to update that address. My uh, my question is, does this do these deals with uh, Microsoft that they're announcing, does that make make it look like they think or their positioning or like NVIDIA and Nintendo, are they expecting to be able to get access to the Call of Duty from the Activision deal? It's a really interesting question. I don't, 
I don't really know. I, I can't say that I have much of an opinion on that. Because mm-hmm. that's a pretty big collection of titles. And now you can see why Sony's so pissed off. They're going from exclusivity to everybody having access to it. Right. Yeah. But I thought I saw something that uh, Activision had hired like a pretty strong legal team to try to challenge some of the um, ob- objections that they've been facing, we'll say. I mean, I can see it. I I... I wonder, I don't even really understand totally how the future, I was thinking about that earlier, the future of gaming in general, Mm -hmm. because I think I used to play Call of Duty when I was a kid and I mean, it was like the game to have, but I, when I talk to like my brother-in-law who's younger and people like that, it doesn't seem like it has the same effect as it did when I was younger. I don't know if that's just, you know, my small bubble, but I, I do wonder if they're going to be like positioning these brands going forward to transition over to the metaverse or stuff like that. Cause I think that's where the real opportunity is for them. But until then, to me, it just kind of sounds like organization. So what do you, what are your thoughts on the, the possibilities of the Activision deal being something that might actually close? I think it's essentially ceteris paribus. I, I don't see a change yet, at least in terms of, the options markets around it. And I'm not sure if this is the kind of thing that would be like in lieu or in addition, Mm -hmm. but I mean, I'm looking at just open interest and then also volume. And there's really, it's like almost exactly balanced how I would expect. The main thing is there's actually some kinks in the put implied volatility specifically for uh 24 feb which is tied to i'm sure um the nvidia release but there's really nothing else of note here so i don't know if there's any significant takeaway in terms of you know what we can expect from that deal i think the problem with that deal is it's just you know it's been taking forever already so well it was always planned to close uh at some point like in the first or second quarter of 23 i thought yeah, and I think I think the main argument is they're still essentially arguing that Sony controls the market. So yes. the, the yeah. combination, yeah, so the combination still would make sense, but who knows? There's I'm looking at the uh, 16th of June 23 options. That seems to be where the bulk of the uh, the bets are placed. We've got about 57,000 contracts open $90 strike, and then you got 46,000 on the $60 puts. Uh, are you looking at the Jan? June, June 16. I see it. Yeah, because on mine, I'm actually seeing 17 March at the heaviest open interest. Or are you talking volume? I'm just looking at open interest. 17. Oh, yeah, there's a lot more there. Yep. Yeah, because I was going to say, I see 19 Jan 24 at the 75, but that looks like it actually, might. What's there? It might there even. Might be earnings coinciding. Yeah, I'm not sure what you're seeing, but there's definitely heavier concentrations further out in time. I wonder if that is one there. Let's see, the earnings are expected in May. No, that's definitely not earnings. Never mind. Well, let's take a look at NVIDIA then. What's the what's the trade thesis that you're working on there? Uh, it's just going to be see how it opens and then trade one of two things. One of the things I can tell you with relative confidence is that implied volatility is going to collapse pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. So if you can get a straddle on super fast, 
that is one method to capture that. But with something that's going to be running up as high as it is, I would be delta hedging it just because it can turn into a directional trade pretty quick. But I think that that would be one of the choices. And then the other thing is just trading, you know, the uh, positive earnings announcement shift, PAD. And with something that has a, a overall gap and beat like this, I think, um, you know, over the next essentially three quarters, the probabilities of this being up are pretty high. So I think you can do kind of a longer swing trade via that, or you can trade the volatility contraction tomorrow. The volatility edge isn't super big, but I think there's still enough there that it would be worthwhile. Where did it stop at? Because I'm seeing a pretty strong resistance on the weekly. Um, right about 2.30, which I think it was trading at 2.25 when I last checked. Yeah, I see 2.25. Um, I do see a super small volume note at like 2.40 on a one-year daily. And yeah, then on, if you go out uh, to the three-year, then it looks really, there's a really big ledge there. Yeah, the, you know, the, the problem kind of is... a long ways out, but yeah. Yeah, and I also feel like it really depends on, um, especially something that's that far out, I would have a hard time caring that much about it. I know some people believe the exact opposite, mm -hmm. you know, that if something was super long standing, then it tends to have a bigger effect. I think that that holds true for trends, but I think support and resistance is a slightly different perspective, depending on what time frame you're trading. I mm -hmm. think it's, that's the big caveat, but yeah, I think, um, 225.98 is where I'm seeing right now. Mm-hmm. But I mean, still on a one-year downtrend. 2.30, I think, is one that I want to watch, I think. I think if we could build some acceptance above there. There's also a little gap, too. I don't know if you noticed that. Uh, right around 250 to 258, 253 to 258 from April of last year. Yeah. A little mini gap. Yeah. I think, I mean, realistically, it doesn't seem like there's going to be a lot of overhead resistance, at least on a shorter term time frame because the right. one year there's super, super small volume nodes above it. But I think the problem is, is in the broader context, it's still, it's still trending down. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think like shorter term, I would fade the move tomorrow if I wanted to get directional. Um, but that would be like up to like a two week trade kind of thing. Mm. Now you mentioned something about positive earnings drift. Can you explain that a little more? Yeah, it's super, super well-documented phenomenon. And there's a handful of really good papers on it. Mm -hmm. But essentially, we can make the post-earnings announcement drift, um, which is PAD, especially, especially if it's a, a positive beat, there are different propensities for follow-on movement based on um, different timeframes that you look at. So the main thing to note is you can have abnormal returns for several weeks, even up to like a few months following a positive earnings announcement is really what it boils down to. Oh, that's super interesting. Okay. I'll have to, let's see if I can find a good article on it. To yeah. Link. yeah. It's really, if you just go to, uh, I can drop it in. I have them all saved, but uh, SSRN, there's a handful of positive earnings drift papers. SSRN. Yeah, that's kind of where I get all of the white papers I look at. Yeah, you can essentially the the thought process is especially for like a beat. You think mm -hmm. of it this way, everything that's been priced into the market has been priced in. 
And then when we get a, a significant beat, like in this case, what was it like almost two times earnings per share? Let me see. Yeah. So it was estimated at 48 cents. It came in at 88 cents. So a little under, yeah. but for instances like this, there's obviously a big change and it's very different than what we were originally forecasting. So now all of that is starting to rapidly getting discounted into the product, but typically for, like I said, up to like a, a quarter, it could even be out to three quarters. It's typically relegated to a few weeks to like a, a quarter or two, hmm. but it can be persistent for longer periods of time that you'll see um, outsized abnormal asymmetric returns. There's, pretty good probability um, protocols that tie to it based on the quality of the beat and, you know, additional details. But from a broad context, like it's not a bad strategy to essentially see things that beat by two X or more and buy it. And then essentially just have a trailing stop once your X points, you know, in profit with a pretty tight stop below it. Gotcha. Uh, that's fucking awesome. All right. Last thing I want to ask you before we wrap up here. Because uh, I think we're getting towards the end of time. What is the movie that your cup that's on your cup? What is that movie from? You never answered the actual question. Not ready to reveal it. <laughs> How about if I bleep it out? It's yeah, sure. It's oh, I thought it, it was is, dude. It's literally. I never heard of that. Nobody has. It's a random oh. ass movie that my dad. Um, my dad stumbled across. And I think the reason why I became so infatuated with it was because I, I was so reluctant to watch it at first because I was being a stupid shithead teenager. That was me. At the, the Yeah. Exactly. Oh, that, yeah. I did the same thing. Actually, yeah. my, my mentor was trying to get me to watch that, but I was like, ew, that sounds so stupid. Yep. But yeah. Then anyways, I finally watched and I realized like how ungodly hilarious it is. It's like, it's essentially is oh, really nice. what it is. Slightly different okay. context. Right. It has like in it. Um, it has in it. Holy um, shit. How have I never heard of it? Oh, we're going to be watching this for shitty movie night. You just got to tell oh. me when you reveal it. I'm going to, I'm going to stream this. Yeah, dude. It's, it's literally, it's fucking epic. It's so good beautiful all right well that's gonna take us to the end of the episode i'd like to say thank you to everyone for sticking to the end uh including you eric thank you for for making it through <laughs> make sure you check us out at two balls in a china shop.com and check out eric at esinvest.com tickle that five star button like it's 1996 and take care eric Two Bulls in a China Shop is an entertainment program, and all thoughts and opinions expressed in the show belong to the hosts and not of any company. They are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security or investment product. It is only intended to provide entertainment about stocks and the financial industry of trading. If you make trades based on what you hear in this show, you assume all risks for those trades. Goodbye. There it is.